0: Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seasfire, Steven Universe fan podcast. This is episode 205, and today we'll be talking about Stuck Together. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, it's It's been a while, but I just have to say, Topaz is so adorable. Topaz, this is her
1: big reveal, and it was super surprising to see her sensitive side come out back when this aired. I mean, the fact that she has any personality at all is set
0: up to be a huge reveal.
1: Right. Like, of course, I'm assuming the episode doesn't think so little of the audience that we don't think she can even hear. I think that's more Lars's, you know, right, foolishness. So we're just wondering why, you know, she's just so stoic. And so it's surprising when she finally just kind of emotionally breaks. I think that scene between Stephen and Lars definitely should make should make someone break like that so it was a good opportunity watching it again too i was reminded by how much i like seeing exasperated angry stephen that <laughs> whether he's snapping at pearl or snapping at lars it's good to see that side of stephen come out cuz it's more like yes stephen deal with these things actually address these problems
0: yeah I mean, let's let's not forget how wonderful Aquamarine's voice is in this episode, too. You know, coming back on this,
1: I didn't love Aquamarine when we were first introduced to her because it just felt kind of like a chibi, more chibi-like design and just something about her. But I really liked this. Maybe it was because we didn't have the context of the previous episodes with seeing her being, I don't know. I mean, she was always <laughs> a serious villain, but there's something about it. But I, I liked her more here. She's a lot more just... Simple, sinister, and I love her confrontation with Topaz near the end, where she's getting choked, like, that's great.
0: Yeah, although I I will say this about with not assuming that Topaz can't actually hear them. It it is very funny just watching it and watching how there's a certain point at which she like deliberately stops moving so as not to disturb (laughs) Steven and Lars almost.
1: Yeah I don't love that back and forth shot between them. Like they're both looking down or up at each other in a corner but of course they couldn't really see each other. They seem to be on completely opposite sides of Topaz's body. Like maybe Lars can look back at Steven's hair but there's no way Steven can see Lars and just like using Topaz's body as a back background. Like I wish they'd animated it more. There's actually in um I can't remember if the episode's called That Distant Shore, but the episode with Lapis and the song That Distant Shore, the way her shadow sometimes was completely still while she was singing bothered me a lot. It's a similar thing. That's a that's a thing that happens in Steven Universe sometimes. Where things don't move when you're like, they should move. Or maybe a better one was just a few episodes back when Alexandra tried to hold down the ship with Aquamarine leaving and she didn't move at all. Oh yeah, that
0: was (laughs) ridiculous. That really jumped out. Now when you said you wished that that scene had been animated more and stuck together, for some reason I just got this image in my head of they're having their heartfelt moment while Topaz is doing Hanzo's fisherman dance from Overwatch. Well, (laughs) you know... (coughs) Somehow it's just nonsensical enough to bring a smile to my face. You know, maybe a full dance number would have brought
1: the scene more to life. At least the fact that she was interacting with the panels, you know, we could have gotten a little more of a sense if we'd at least, I think we, maybe, my memory's not serving me correct, we hear like some clicking and beeping But it doesn't make sense how her body, you know, her head is still completely still. But I I get that it's kind of hard to have her body moving since Steven and Lars are attached to it. That'd be kind of distracting. But at least having her, I mean, again, she's stoic. It's hard to, without like an Ed Ed, and Eddie type vibration of the like outline of her character model, you're like, I don't really know how to fit in the moving. And so I guess they didn't feel like doing it either. So we ended up with
0: background Topaz. Oh, well, (laughs) poor Topaz. Even when she's in the foreground, she's in the background. <laughs> Pretty much. So, also
1: in that scene, we're at such a different point in the show now with Steven's relationship to the Diamonds, but back here, Steven's actually completely afraid of having to confront them. Um, and, you know, Aquamarine even reminds Steven that if he thinks shattering bad, he's got way worse for him ahead. And I think back at the time this episode first aired, I was wondering, like, what do the diamonds do with someone as bad as Steven? And it made me think now about what is happening with White Diamond. I don't assume White yeah. Diamond's torturing in the present, but like getting I, I i think we talked about torture back in the day when this episode aired. But like, man, I don't know what the gems do to the gems they don't like a lot. <laughs> like I don't know if we'll ever see that in the show, but um there's so many hints of how bad life is for most gems, and I'd be it'd be really crazy to see. Of course, I guess we do see a lot of it. All the tools and stuff that might be a very tortured
0: existence if yeah. those tools could speak. I don't know. I, I think maybe a specialty tool, a tool designed to torture the gem that powers it. I mean, they have the technology to create Rose's room. They could do some pretty mean psychological stuff to you. I mean, honestly,
1: I think Lapis ended up pretty good. Like if I had been in a mirror for 2000 years, I would have been way more messed up. So I'm like, I don't know how much worse it gets than just straight up being a tool. But if it was a tool that also inflicted even more metal damage, then I guess you could see someone a lot more broken than Lapis.
0: But yeah. Uh, Aquamarine was pretty, pretty proud of whatever fate she thought the diamonds had in store for Steven. Although it seemed that Yellow Diamond just wanted to shatter Steven and be done with it. Once, you know, we'll we'll see the trial in the the next episode.
1: Another thing about her pride too. We see so many of the gems really just being subjects of diamonds and not really having high class. Like we understand that there's a hierarchy, but besides the diamonds, I feel like we haven't really seen many gems that felt like they had comfortable lives and and good existences. It seems like Aquamarine for the most part has the freedom to do what which she wants, but what are other equivalent gems that we've seen? I feel
0: like everyone Sapphire gonna,
1: I guess, but she still is a tool.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, all the gems are tools, each and every one of them, but the sapphires are highly valued tools, and we saw in That Will Be All, that if a sapphire sees that their diamond wants them to do something you know they don't have to wait for the diamond's permission you know they're sapphires they know their diamond will be pleased yeah
1: that's right like holly blue was very much respectful and highly praising to sapphires you know skills so i guess that's true that shows you what's broken about their society though that even these higher up gems are under so much pressure to still have to do their job you know it's kind of like I wish I knew more of why they were even doing all these roles. So mysterious. It also made me think, too, when Topaz mentioned that she's always on missions like this. I was, like, thinking about... Oh, probably not missions like this. Well, do they deal with other sentient beings? Like, yeah, Steven and Connie got to experience other alien life forms besides the gems on a random moon. But, like, how much do the gems really deal with other living beings? Like, otherwise, Topaz just goes to, like, muddy, boring worlds with basic organic life and, like... Who cares? How could that really be? I mean, I guess that could be a miserable existence. Maybe this is
0: the spiciest mission she's been on in a while, but I don't know.
1: I don't know what all these people are doing.
0: I mean, I doubt that Topaz innovated the defuse, surround, target, and then refuse uh, just there on Earth. She's probably done that before. Right. But what does she need to do that on? Subjugating boring little animal life
1: forms seems like it could be something they do purely by technology. Although I guess you could say that about a lot of gems. There's a lot of things they could be doing purely through I mean, tech. Like, why do they really have rubies? It's a great way to collect intel if you can just capture an organic and bring it back for a little chat. Yeah, but they have like so many robonoids, right? Like, and they don't care about chatting with the life forms that they destroy on planets. I mean, that makes me think again too. Like with ruby soldiers, like what do rubies actually have to fight if they're
0: non-intelligent life forms? Like, they can just shoot a beam from a finger. Think of it this way. Like, in realistic science fiction, all the fighting is done by robots, and the the humans basically have nothing to do because, you know, building, fighting, anything, robots are going to be able to do it better by the time we're, you know, exploring other planets with actual humans. There's going to be no reason to involve humans in anything. So, you know, that's from a practical human standpoint. Whereas for the gems, it's like, Why would we use technology? We can make gems. Like, completely different mindset. Yeah. I guess that is the nature
1: of the gems. And that's sort of how we got introduced to them over time, too. As we started leaving the magic world and we started seeing more of the technology they produce, The gems are weirdly their life, but they're also, within their own culture, technology. (laughs) And kind of robots. And fulfill the functionality of
0: robots. So weird. Yeah, but... I think a lot of it does come down to mindset. Like, yeah, I I could just deploy Robanoids, but then I would have no use for my rubies. (laughs) And rubies have to have a purpose. You know, they serve the great diamond authority. Therefore, rubies will do this job. Yeah, stinks to be in the gem hierarchy. <laughs> I don't know. I think rubies have it okay. I mean, we've never seen rubies in any serious combat, but just what we've seen of rubies doesn't seem that bad. Uh, they got
1: brutally scattered in space. I don't know what you're
0: talking okay, well, about. Well, that was totally Sardonyx's fault. And like, there are dangers inherent to fighting against rebels. They're they're dangerous, dangerous beings. David. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's not all, you know, fun and games, but <laughs> yeah. the rubies have a lot of fun and games along the way.
1: Speaking of uh, other things that don't work out so well, this is my amazing transition to a very minor thing. Uh, apparently, okay, if they do it a third time, use an engine breakdown as an excuse in the show for something to happen. <laughs> then I'm going to start calling for for something to happen. Cause, like, I mean, okay, you're talking about Alone at Sea? Um, Oh, shoot. It has happened three times. Because Alone at Sea also had engine problems, but also Lars of the Stars or the episode that followed Lars of the Stars... Letters to Lars had an engine problem that prevented their vehicle from going anywhere. Like, engine problems being the plot driver of the middle of the episode. It's Welcome now- to the next generation. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I was thinking Star Trek. Or just, uh, n- well, not Star Trek's not generic sci-fi. But, you know, it kind of sets standards for sci-fi. So generic sci-fi looks like Star Trek. So, yes, engine breakdowns. Like, Lord. <laughs> like, I guess that's an excuse for them to go down there, but... You know, and they set it up. They set it up all three times. Alone at sea has a reason because of Jasper, and yep. Lars of the Stars has a reason, or Letters to Lars has a reason
0: because they just fought. But like, ugh, such a
1: normy excuse.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what would what would you rather it be? It has to be something non threatening, but keeps them in the bottle. I know it always has to be something. Can I just say how weird it is to hear Aquamarine say they must have screwed up the engine? That's so unexpected every time I hear it. Yeah, well... (laughs) I mean, for one, the accent, that does not sound right with that accent. Don't get me wrong, it sounds great, I love it. But you don't expect it with the accent, and then you don't expect it on a Cartoon Network show either.
1: Yeah, that's where that PG rating comes in helpful, you know, for those very naughty words, so... Let
0: Peridot say frick! (laughs) (laughs) Not on my
1: Minecraft server. Anyway... (laughs) um so yeah also things that don't work out so well so i think i said this the last time we talked about this episode but you know i know steven really believed in his lasso plan but i think he forgot that he's about as tall as all the doorknobs in the show like he's incredibly small and his legs are smaller and i'm with lars that plan truly could not have worked
0: that is an awful awful plan steven like if, if you want lars to like hope that she passes by it then yeah, maybe that helps. But it's like, come on, come on, Lars, try it again. Try it again. Steven, like, it's so far away. Like, there is, it is physically impossible for what you were hoping to achieve. Also, he could just keep
1: doing the bubble thing, right? Like, maybe it'd get annoying with Topaz just continually refusing them together, but he could just keep doing the bubble thing. Like, I don't know. He's got better options. He could have bubbled and grabbed the destabilizer. Oh, well guess we wouldn't get a heartfelt moment with logic, yeah. but yeah, we have you to know. have
0: the heartfelt moment. That's I don't know. That heartfelt moment was pretty good.
1: Yeah. It makes me wonder how, you know, avoiding too much cheesiness. I'd like to see Lars have the same kind of emotional openness to Sadie because we see every character in Steven universe to be, emotionally exposed to Steven but Lars is you know the most closed-in character that we've ever had and so to see him have to do it in a realistic way with Sadie like I hope they still balance out you know ever since he became this like Captain Lars it seems like he's just like completely changed except for when he really lamely cried about Sadie moving
0: on in her life grief that was awful that was that was just bad
1: yeah so I kind of Don't want that, like, ridiculousness. Like, I want to see them, you know, I kind of, they're like in their late teens, early 20s. I want to see the same sort of weird emotional maturity and clunkiness that they had way back in, like, I can't remember the name, but with the fire salt episode, right?
0: Oh, Joking Victim, yeah. Yeah,
1: Joking Victim sort of had that, you know, a much smaller moment of Lars having to come to reckoning with Sadie. And, you know, this is a much bigger... Instance of that, so it'd be nice. I mean, they were player one and player two. It, their yeah. relationship should be, you know, brought to a different kind of head than just him. I don't know, like, I don't want a, him to just give a speech, though. You know, like, I just it needs to be a little more subtle or worked on than that. You know, like, I don't want him to just come back and give a grand thing.
0: You know what? I just realized Lars and Sadie are player one and player two. We, we need an episode where they're playing the n- latest Army of War game, Multiplayer Online, and they're getting, you know, trounced. Like, maybe they're video chatting with Steven, right? And they're talking, oh, yeah, you know, Steven, we're trying to play the Army of War and we're getting really beaten up. And, you know, just at the very end, you Steven's like, oh, hey, yeah, Topaz and Topaz are playing Army of War. They're doing really good. <laughs> Hmm. and then it cuts to like the people who they're fragging and like has nicknames that sound like Sadie and Larsy, you know nicknames that they would have
1: well that would be a really cute short I hope you yeah. also realize that's not what they really did all night they didn't
0: play army of war all night GC are you implying that first person shooters are not interesting enough to play all night long I mean Stephen thought so
1: but Steve, we still thought <laughs> th- Stephen was like eight years old in that episode. So Yeah,
0: well, he acts eight years old. I, I like Sadie's reaction. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like she realizes she said too much and she's just glad that Stephen is such a ten-year-old.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that was funny. Uh, <laughs> at the very end of this episode, we see... Steven sort of in the very abstract jail cell or holding area and it made me think obviously there's a lot more that happens at this with the trial but I'll just go ahead and mention it here as we head into the new season being on Homeworld I'm interested to see them take this concept of The high, high, high tech world of Homeworld. And I want to see them take this abstract thing a step further. Because one thing I didn't love about here and, and later on in the trial is that it's like so abstract, like especially the like pink room that Steven gets held in, that it basically just looks like a plain color in the background. And it almost makes it feel like Steven's not really in a place. It feels more like in line with one of the dream sequences that Steven has
0: or like a color palette from 2001 to space odyssey almost
1: yeah so I, I like I I love like use basic shapes use you know flat colors and like put the stars and sparkles everywhere but like give me more of a sense that it's somehow a room or part of some structure because like if I keep seeing Steven in front of just plain colors like, just single colors, I'm gonna think that they just were giving Steven Sugar, like, a week off, and that man needs to be put to work, because he makes amazing backgrounds.
0: They never left the room! They never left the room! Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how would that be for a retcon? Oh my gosh. But what else to say about, again, Aquamarine, fantastic. Topaz, also fantastic. Great to see them again in harmony, even if it is just for a cameo. They start the series off and they're still out there doing their things.
1: I think this episode sort of is interesting for that. It's one of the few solo episodes I know of that only has a single storyboarder. I think that partners bring out a lot in each other when they do do pair storyboards. But when they take the opportunity to give someone full control over an episode, you can sometimes get something a little tighter. I think that really worked for this episode since the story wasn't... They didn't actually have a lot to pack into 11 minutes. She really had a lot of room to breathe in, just being on the ship. Need a lot of personality out of it. Yeah, so I think seeing that more, um, if they have more chances like that where they don't have to cram in, you know... Talking to the diamonds and healing some gems and flying off to see White Diamond all in 11 minutes. You know, when you have more time uh, letting
0: some of the storyboarders shine through a solo episode, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This episode is always complicated for me because I like it. I just don't like to watch it. I I guess it's the emotional aspect of it. I think that's it. Yeah, it's
1: really a arc you see once. I mean, that happens in, in, in plot-driven shows where, you know, maybe your favorite cartoon as a kid, I could watch those of episodes over and over again because it's about the jokes. But here, when when you've already had a revelation once or an emotional journey once, you don't really need to see it again, you know? It reminds me of, like like, I love Avatar The Last Airbender, but I don't like watching the first two episodes of that show. Because uh, I don't yeah. need the intro to the little boy and the iceberg. Anymore. All the exposition. Yeah. And like, I, I'm already past like, yeah, I, Law, I already know about Lars. The surprise of Topaz is nothing new. And so this is very much functions as carrying us somewhere in the show. And so it's important to watch in the sequence, but it's not like a, it doesn't have enough of its own story to really be its own thing. It's definitely connective tissue between two episodes. Um but that's why there's the bomb format, you know? It kind of fits within a storyline than just, "Oh, I'm going to sit down and watch
0: stuck together." I don't know. It feels good to watch it, but it's it's just not the kind of story where I'd be like, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch I'm going to watch Stuck Together. I mean, The Trial, again, once you know how The Trial ends, I mean, why bother watching it? I don't know. It's just the kind of episode I love to watch.
1: Yeah, it does feel like you bring up a point where, like, some of these bombs, I think I would watch them as a bomb. I mean, that's not true of all of them, because, like, I think about, like, the Sardonyx arc, even. Some of those I could watch on their own, like, uh... The Onion one. I'm so bad with episode titles. All those people out there can hate me for it. But I'm so... (laughs) The, you know, where Stephen finally sees the birth of Onion and Amethyst talks with Medallia.
0: (laughs) Onion friend, yes. Yeah,
1: that is Onion friend. I was thinking that might have been... It's Onion... Onion gang. Onion trade, Onion friend, Onion gang is what I was thinking of. Because his friends are also in that. But yeah, Onion friend is kind of something I can watch standalone. Whereas things like this... Especially like the zoo arc, although you could kind of split the zoo arc up until like the first three episodes, and then I, the actual the zoo arc
0: is just magnificent.
1: Yeah, it that really kind of all fits to, as one to me though. Like I wouldn't really watch those alone.
0: Yeah, I mean that is that is a super tight story, especially the last three. Yeah, well, last two, last three it depends on how you break it apart. Right, that's what I was thinking.
1: Him actually going into the human zoo, interacting with the humans, is a little more separate. You like you could watch that, but anyway so last thoughts about stuck together it feels like this was so long ago compared to where we are now like oh it's yeah weird how much we've seen like this this season had so much more
0: in it than any other thing so fast paced it's weird yellow really needs to transfer topaz and topaz into steven's court like they deserve
1: it that's a thing too in the show we've seen so many gems now that not every gem is a new main cast member right like there was Which a, point a where, like, you know we see lapis and we see bismuth and we're like bring them on let's go Paradot." but like now you know when do we need to see holly blue again when do we really need to see aquamarine again like are they ever just gonna show up as those characters again or are we just gonna see generic forms of them en masse on mass on Homeworld? i don't know No, we did see all the
0: Aquamarines uh, saying
1: hi and legs from here to Homeworld. That's what I'm saying. Like, is that the relegated duty of these character models now? Or
0: did they come back? I don't know. I'm just saying there's no coffee shop in Beach City yet. And if, you know, Lapis wants to work there, it's fine. But I mean, Topaz, Topaz and Aquamarine as the barista. Oh, God. I mean, Aquamarine is the coffee shop barista, I think.
1: Aquamarine has zero, like, the word redemption doesn't even make sense for her. She is living her best life. She does not
0: have any interest in running a coffee shop. She will get your name wrong. She knows it, but she gets it wrong because you do not deserve oh for her to get your name right. Yeah, that that's, no. <laughs> that's not happening, GC. I'm sorry. I can dream. I can dream. Anyway, guys, that's us on Stuck Together. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And
1: I'm David. Uh, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. And thank you to, there was a, a few in the like past month. Thank you so much,
0: guys. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCespire.com. Thank you for listening.